And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, thanks for coming to Civilized Barking. We've reached the midpoint here of the 2017 season and the Browns have flatlined. Oh, yeah, uh, Zach Jackson, Jason Lloyd, several hours after the game. This is take two on the podcast. Um, we get a redo. The Browns don't. They were awful today, Jason. Everyone knows that. Everyone listening probably has some anger uh, or some mix of anger, disappointment, bewilderment, right? Um, they thought they were pretty hot shit after beating the Bengals. And boy, now does it feel like this season is is not going to end in the playoffs and could end dozens of ways. And I, I don't think it's unfair to, you know, to think that I'm not talking about the coach getting fired guys. I'm just saying like, this is too many of these in a six week stretch where you're like, man, there are major issues. And it felt like in a way a bunch of them came to a head today. I think somebody's getting fired. I don't think it's Kevin. But no, it's not this Kevin. <laughs> this is, no, it's not Kevin. This, but this is not gonna. This can't continue the way that it's going. And and yeah, this is take two. We executed about as well as the Browns did, <laughs> and take one from the press box. <laughs> it's not even worth getting into. Uh, but I, now I'm trying to recreate all of the anger and wrath from the first one of this sucked and that sucked and it was a. Waste of time and a waste of money and a waste of everything to come out of here because everybody sucked. Give Jamie Gillen a game ball. Give Dearness Johnson a game ball and a participation trophy and send everybody home without supper tonight because that was pitiful and atrocious. Uh, and just, listen, it's what I wrote tonight. The Browns are not a good football team. They have talent. They're a talented football team. They're not a good football team. The Patriots don't have a ton of talent, and they're a good football team. And that, and you know, you can say it's not, you know, Kevin's not in trouble. And I don't think Kevin is in trouble at all, of course. But this has not been a good coaching job by anyone on this team. No, and I think that's what jumps out today. Whether you were locked into every play and had done your studying or whether you were casually observing or, you know, whether you were optimistic that the Browns should beat the Patriots. And I think we both were to an extent. I yeah. I was curious as to why the Patriots were favored. Now we know <laughs> uh, they were better in every area. But uh, I like what you said there because usually we do this 60 to 90 minutes after the game, right? And I have just filed my first thoughts column, getting on to the next thing. We're usually, what, 15, 20 minutes off of the post-game availability. And you sometimes have not even started your column. You you say openly – you know, I like that thought, or I'm going to talk through this here because I'm trying to figure out what we're going to write when I'm done, right? right? Yep. And um, yep. so now we're doing it where you're two hours after filing. So 
Um, I definitely want to get to the to the post game part uh, of Miles Garrett and of John Johnson, and seeing it on TV tonight gave me a different perspective on it too. But I just want to know, you know, from your column and, and from really digging in, letting those hours soak in, and looking at the numbers on the screen, um, you know, what really jumps out to you among all the bad? What, where where was the shiniest turd in the bag you went <laughs> sifting through? <laughs> You know, what What really jumped out to me was just the fact that, like, like I knew that they've been undisciplined at times this year. I didn't realize they led the league in pre-snap penalties. Now, they they haven't had their bye week yet, so that makes a little bit of a difference. But still, like, Kevin Stefanski, that was the first thing he seemed to clean up was last year with some of the stupid penalties. And, and so now I guess I'm taking a little bit more of a broader picture on this because who cares about today? They threw up all over their shoes today. and But so, you know, just – we're, you know, we're 10 games into the season. This team's five and five. They were seven and three at this point last year. They're five and five. So what's gone wrong? To me, it's pre-snap penalties. They lead the league in pre-snap penalties. They can't get off the field on third down defensively. They can't stay on the field on third down on offense. And and, and I wrote about this. They're 20, I'm doing this from memory now, 23rd in the league, I think, in third down, defensive third down conversions. And or maybe even lower than that. Maybe it's like 26th. But the point is, they're down there with teams where you don't want to be with. And, and Zach, in the first take on this, you brought up the point on how, like, third and fourth down are, are money downs, and that's going to determine who's good and who's not. So I looked into third down specifically, and basically the Browns are down with a bunch of teams where you don't want to be. And there's a couple decent teams down there. Like, the Chiefs are down there defensively. The Chargers and the Buccaneers are down where you don't want to be. The difference is they stay on the field on offense. Mm-hmm. And and they convert third downs, and they're in the top six in the league in converting third downs on offense. So you can get away with that. The Browns are not. The Browns suck at both. And when you suck at both, you're five and five, and you're headed toward nothing. And that's where this team is headed. They're headed toward nothing because they're going to win next week and find whatever. But then when you look at their schedule the rest of the way, when you got the Ravens back to back, the Packers, they play every team they play is a playoff team today after the Lions. How can you look at this team, what we've seen, not even just today, just the inconsistency, the wildly consistency of 10 games. How can you look at this and think that they're going to go 6-1 and one the rest of the way or 5-2 and two the rest of the way? It's, it's nonsensical to think that. It is. It would take a complete turnaround in every phase. And um, what we just saw was damn near rock bottom in every phase, right? And, and what makes that deflating is that, you used up your free pass. I mean, I've been saying all along, look, like it's been rocky. It hasn't been great. Some of that's the injuries. Some of that's learning to play as a favorite and learning to play with expectations. But they'd only had one clunker before today, and that was the Arizona game, right? And, yeah. and Arizona is in the fight for the number one seed in the NFC, which is the clear superior conference talent-wise. I mean, today was a rookie quarterback and a backup rookie running back and a whole bunch of receivers that don't get drafted in your fantasy league just running circles around the Browns, right? And and I think the trickle down of, of the third down um, to get away from the numbers and more into how it looks or, or how it might be weighing, um, the third and fourth down failures, I think it's led to this identityless offense and clearly you know they didn't have Nick Chubb they didn't have Kareem Hunt we get that right it's unfortunately it's not the first time but all of a sudden Stefanski who was always ready with 
a varied and aggressive game plan last year and always seemed to have the team that was doing the things, like you said, avoiding the big penalty and, you know, timing up the play call. Well, all of a sudden they can't decide what formation they want to be in because this is not an empty formation team, Jason. Like this is, no, <laughs> you know, shotgun to let Baker get teed off on and put him in where he can't see anybody but Austin Hooper who's going to catch it at four yards and fall to five and a half. I mean, teams are going to give you that all day, and that's only completed half the time, right? Yeah. And, like, he threw Baker threw for 73 yards today, and even David Joku has two inexcusable drops. Like, yep. it still would have only been 95 yards, right? So yep. I, I just think they, they've, you know, and then it, to go back to Miles and John Johnson talking about the lack of adjustments and, and seeing what they see. I mean, that what I saw is what John Johnson said. The same simple misdirection plays and the same screen passes that have burned the Browns all year. And you were in there when Miles um, talked. And, you know, obviously it struck me when he talked about the adjustments and then he was asked to clarify, which I thought was the exact – I think I believe it was was Dan Lobby from Cleveland.com who asked, and I thought it was the right thing to ask at that time. And he said, we didn't adjust. They kept on scoring. He he semi-softened his stance off of what he said earlier. But anyway, I, I get back to the hotel tonight, and they're showing it on the TV. Miles answers the question that he's asked specifically in three or four sentences, and then on his own finishes it off and says, we didn't make any adjustments. Every time we got off the field, we didn't adjust. Like, you were on to that six, seven, eight weeks ago. I forget exactly which game. And you were on to it six, seven, eight minutes after it was said today. But seeing it again struck me as much as anything when I rewatched the game back on Monday afternoon, Will. Um, he was making a point, and, you know, not that it's like fireworks, five alarm, holy hell, this came out of nowhere. We all saw it, right? But the star player, the best player on the team, and a guy who's probably going to win NFL Defensive Player of the Year, and the only way he won't is if his team falls apart, comes out and flat out says we're not making defensive adjustments. There's only one way to read that. Like there's no there's no misinterpretation. That's not the media making too much out of something, and and you're right, Zach. Right. I go back to I go back to the Houston. It was the Houston game. I went back and looked it up after the Texans game. Miles has been sort of taking shots at Joe Woods all year, and after the Houston game, he said, you know, Houston didn't run it as much. They were they were expecting them to come out and run the ball, and they didn't run it as much, and that's why he was quote stuck inside. The entire game, and then there was a, the strip sack on when Delpit blitzed and got there and 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 forced the fumble. Miles was back in coverage, and he said, "I'm dropping the coverage, going, what the hell am I doing back here? Thinking, what the hell am I doing back here?" So he's sort of taking these little tweaks, going all the way back to what was that week two, and and now it's getting and you know for three weeks, the last three weeks the defense played better. You know, even the the Steelers game, they gave up 15 points, and and Kevin said after the after the Steelers game, you give up 15 points, you should win that game. But in the second half, did you feel like they were going to get a stop? I didn't. Like, even when they're playing well, you don't have a ton of faith in what they're doing. I guess right. is the best way to say it. And then yeah, t- then today the bottom fell out. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, and I think what's most alarming about today is not, you know, necessarily that it, that it happened. I mean, it didn't have to be 45 to 7, right? Even though it kind of played out like 96 to 3. <laughs> um, it's that where, where is your counterpunch? You know, and as poorly as the first half went, like the offense could have got a quick one and start the second half and been in the game, right? Yeah. Like Browns didn't put the Bengals away last week until there were eight minutes left, Right. And that's when Burrow left the game, even though it was probably over midway through the second quarter. I mean, this thing was over by 145 today. Yep. <laughs> it, it just was. Um, and, and no Mac, answer from Mac Jones, Mac Jones. Mac Jones, the highest rated passer of the week so far. Now, I don't know what Mahomes just had a monster game on Sunday night. We're recording this right after the Sunday night game ended. Mm-hmm. I didn't see what his passer rating was. I don't know how much stock you want to put into, quarter, into passer rating. It's obviously a flawed stat. But if you lead the league in in passer rating for a week, then you had a pretty good day. And that's what the Browns allowed a rookie quarterback to do to them. Right, right. Like, if you're checking off, okay, the Browns are going up to New England. The Browns have to, you know, summon the energy and the focus to do this. Well, it's a playoff-type game. It shouldn't be that hard. Um, and the Patriots, you know they're not going to make mistakes. And you knew exactly what they were going to do offensively with the short passes and the misdirection and all of that. And you thought, okay, well, where can you win? Well, you know, you, you establish a run. They did early. They didn't. And you get to that rookie quarterback. And instead, they just stayed a step ahead in everything they did. And, like, you know, I don't have it in front of me, and this obviously is an audio podcast, not the video. But, like, Kendrick Bourne is running those end arounds and in in those misdirection plays. And he's turning up the field like he knows that it's there. <laughs> Right. He's not beating that guy and then saying, oh, my gosh, like we drew this up for a seven yard gain. Like everything they did was so with confidence and with aggression and everything the Browns did went backwards after that first draft. And, um, you know, let, let's let's just get into it with with the quarterback and with the defensive coordinator. Um. You lose a game, you have a bad day. Everybody does. The absolute great ones do. You go through a season, nobody goes undefeated, and there are moments where you're either galvanized or humbled or whatever, or you flat out get beat doing something, and then you go back and make a scheme adjustment, attitude adjustment, lineup adjustment, and it serves you going well. But too many times this season and in recent weeks, We've had games that raise major questions about the quarterback and the defensive coordinator. It's not just those two, but these are high-ranking employees in this organization that make you say, what what have we seen to think that they can be the right guy to get this team where it wants to go? And this team has been built to be there. Who knows if they'll ever win the Super Bowl? 40 things, 400 things have to go right. But this team was supposed to win the division or come close. This team was supposed to go back to the playoffs fixing this defense was supposed to be the missing ingredient 
to get you there, and you just gave up 45 to Mac Jones and Ramondre Stevenson. Yikes. Not to mention you scored seven, yes. and you did nothing after the opening drive. And and this isn't all Baker, obviously, because like you know he didn't even play the Denver game. But for the last five weeks, this offense has scored 17 points or less. That's not that's just not good enough. That's just not good enough in the NFL today for any team, much less a team that is built around its offense like the Browns are. And and that really, you know, and it really started to sort of take a deep breath and, and look at the bigger picture. That really sort of stuck out to me. Four of the last five games, they haven't scored more than 17 points. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it's stuck in the mud and it's going backwards and it's hard to really put your finger on everything that's gone wrong on both well, sides. There's the nothing ball. going on with the quarterback and the receivers. Nothing. 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 You know, before, during, and after the running back injuries, right? And, like, he finally caused some turnovers last week. And, I, I mean, I thought I wrote it. You know, I basically said this has to be the breakthrough for this defense. And they've had time to iron out the communication issues. They've moved past all that. We know what the blueprint is with Miles and with Clowney. And I thought Clowney was one of the few guys that showed up today and played his ass off, right? Um, them causing disruption and that creating opportunities, not only for them to get the turnovers themselves, but just for guys to run behind and take chances and be aggressive. And instead, you know, simple screens and, and reverses and quick passes to the tight end. And the, the Patriots spent big on two tight ends. They did, only had one today, and he caught two touchdowns. And he caught the first third down of the game. And what did I say to you when that happened? Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> and the Browns are winning the game with passes. the time. Yep, yep. <laughs> the Browns are winning the game at the time. Um, look, it, it's not on Baker, all, all on Baker either, guys. Um, it's not. But as I was waiting to do this, I read the comments, and I don't know, one, someone had a very well-thought-out take on some of the panic and said, oh, and by the way, Zach, it was nice to see you stayed on brand and lobbed a grenade there at Baker at the end of your um, column. And I said, well, you know. Mac Jones had the seven best lobs today, and mine was eight. So, like, <laughs> this this is twice this season that he has played as awful as a quarterback could play. Yeah, Because he threw for 73 yards today. Yeah. <laughs> he threw it right to the other team into triple coverage. Like, when the Browns can't run, they can't win. There, There's no counterpunch. And, and again, it, it the coordinator, the receivers, everything. He's playing hurt. He's courageous. We get it. There's no counterpunch. There's no consistency. This roller coaster is getting you nowhere. And even if you come back healthy next year, right, and even if the defense finally shows a little more consistency, like this is going to hang over everything you do. And in what's supposed to be his biggest year and the franchise's biggest year and forever looks a lot like his second year. And that roller coaster ride sucked. And, and that now, was supposed to be Freddie's fault. And that was supposed to, yes. Yes. So there's always been there's been all of this blame. Yep. And like I said, I, I I will confidently lay the bulk of the blame today. Not not that it matters, right? Because you win as a team, you lose as a team. As cliche as it gets, right? I, I will confidently and firmly lay the bulk of the blame today on the coaching on both sides because the Browns were just flat. They were behind. They were beat in every single area. Yep. But guys, there's going to be days when your quarterback has to make a play. This one doesn't. There's going to be days when it's not going your way and somebody has to step up. This team didn't answer the bell. And, you know, I, I don't want to be judging 
post-game press conferences and, and you know, wor- words that guys say 40 minutes after this and trying. But, like, I don't even think today's that day. I think John Johnson and Miles laid it out there. We're getting beat by the same things over and over and over again. That's scary as hell. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just going back over the schedule. All the playoff teams. The Bengals are the only playoff team they've beaten this year. And that's not even a certainty that they're going to make it. But of all no, the teams. but, you know, it shows you the volatility because two weeks ago, well, three weeks ago now, the Bengals were the AFC's number one seed. They came into this weekend in number 10. Well, yeah. now the Browns, who got the feel-good win last week and we thought they had turned the corner, right? Now they're in fourth place again. Now they have their only gimme on the schedule next week. Um, and they've pretty much – they're 5-5. Five and five, So they could pre- they pretty much, to have a shot to get in as a wild card, have to only have one loss the rest of the way. Yep. Joe Batonio said it today, 9-8 and is probably not going to get in the AFC. 10-7 not, not going to get the Browns in. 10's not no. getting in. It's certainly not getting the Browns and They don't have any tiebreakers. Right. So right. You, you've got to get to 11 to give yourself a chance in, in this conference. If you're the Browns, just because you don't have any of the tiebreakers. Uh, and, and this team is just not going 6-1. and one. Now, again, it's like I said before, the division is probably their best path. It's always the safest route to the playoffs. But it's probably their only shot at this point. But I don't know how you can look at what we saw out there today, what we've seen all year long, and think that this team could beat Lamar Jackson and the Ravens twice. No, and that's no, what it's I will take. say. Yeah, I will say the Ravens played about as poorly this week as the Browns did. Uh, oh, they did, and they're also yeah. on a short week. And Thursday games suck. And this whole division is just, just I can't just figure out this division at all. Like, is it? Are they all good, and or are they all bad? Are they all equally bad, or are they all equally good? I think they're all equally bad. I mean, let, let's go big picture, right? If if firing the D coordinator is the answer, and I don't think – I don't who knows, but I don't think Monday or Tuesday is the answer. If firing the D coordinator is the answer, if continuing to invest, invest in the O-line is the answer, if all these defensive rentals you find one or two keepers and it looks like you hit big on Greg Newsom and JOK, right? You have your coach. You've done this like – then you can grow through this and you can go and you can be fine. Still have a little bit of money to spend. But I think the flip side of this, Jason, is they have come in and done mostly smart, sensible things to be applauded. They have done very little risky. They have done very little for the future. Miles, no-brainer. Chubb, no-brainer. Teller and Batonio, pretty much no-brainers. Tell you where the priorities are, right? Draft young athletic players for need, but for for their future traits to be cornerstones, eh, those guys are all coming along. They clearly miss Jack Conklin, um, right? Austin Hooper is yikes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess what I'm saying is the, the big things lie ahead. And if this thing with seven games and two months left and some difficult ones and and four in the division, right? And almost all of them under the spotlight, at least now. Um, if things don't go a certain way with the, the chemistry of of the team and the sideline operation with the quarterback, you know, now you look and say, well, we have no idea who our wide receivers are. We have no idea what to do 
at quarterback because our options are limited. We always wanted it to be this guy. And all of a sudden, we got a bunch of rentals on defense, and I don't know. So, and a new coordinator. So, again, like, I, I, I'm not – I'm certainly not bailing on, on Barry Stefanski and, and what they're building. And, and to Stefanski's offensive system and, and the belief that the run drives everything and we're going to stick – like, you have, to, you have to do something, right, that you believe in and build it a certain way. But the counterpunch is just not there. And I think 10 games through the second season is a fair enough time to start making some evaluations on everybody, specifically those at the top. And right now in Foxborough, Massachusetts, in mid-November, these evaluations are not good, um, specifically when you compare them to where other teams in the FC are starting to go up and the Browns are not. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. There's going to be some, and we're, we're almost there. I'm trying to kick this down the road as much as possible on the long-term quarterback discussion, but it's, it's coming fast. A few more performances like what we saw today, especially with the schedule that lies ahead, and we're going to have to have this conversation of what you do at quarterback because, Zach, you and I have been in agreement all year. Six has got to be better. And he just hasn't shown it. He's had flashes, and the Bengals game last week was great. He always plays well against the Bengals. But just the week-to-week consistency isn't there. This is a major, major problem with this team. Uh, you see how much money they're spending everywhere except on the quarterback position. What does that tell you? And and on the flip side, I don't know. I agree. I don't think you fired Joe Woods today or, or Monday or Tuesday just because you got your ass beat 45-7 to and the offense wasn't any better. And, and, you know, I, I don't know that that's the look that you, that you want when you get beat this soundly in all phases of the game. It kind of makes them look like the scapegoat for one game. At least that's how I read it. And, and there's a lot more wrong with, with this team than just that. But I don't think at, at the rate we're going, I don't think Joe Woods is going to be back next year as defensive coordinator. I don't think that's going out on a, a very long branch. Uh, Again, with what lies ahead with the offense, what's going to happen in Green Bay on Christmas Day with this defense? You know, what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson, two against Lamar Jackson? Derek Carr, the Raiders, I've kind of wondered if, if, if they could hold on through everything that they've been through. They've had such a traumatic season from, from all sides, and, and who knows what kind of shape they'll be in by then. But Derek Carr is having a, a monster year until tonight. Did have a great game tonight, but... You know, the point is there's a lot of good quarterbacks. There's a lot of good offenses in front of them. And I just don't under, I, I just don't know how Joe Woods is going to survive the second half of the season and come back next year based on what we've seen through the 10 games. All fair. All fair. Um, two weeks from this very moment, we're going to know a lot, right? That, that would be Sunday night football in Baltimore where the Browns are either good enough or they're not. We expect them to to circle the wagons and, and beat the Lions next week, right? We'll see, but we expect that to happen. Um, if you can go win in Baltimore, then 
you're in it, you're alive, and you've proven it. But nothing we saw today indicates that. And I just, I mean, I go back to that press conference, the look on Kevin Stefanski's face. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, like I said, it, this this team has not been this grossly outcoached since, well, I don't know. You could start comparing Hugh Days and Freddie Days. It hasn't happened in this regime. Um, but we all thought that the Browns had better players than the Patriots at most spots. And, like, the way the tent folded so quickly in the second quarter and then again no fight in the third. No just, fight, no, no heart. Yep, right, yep. Right, right. And, and, and like, I just – like I said, the, the, the grasping at straws offensively, in a way he's kind of saying, I, I don't have the quarterback to contest this defense. I'm not insinuating that he's tanking games, <laughs> right? But I, I just i am seeing nothing I see says that he trusts him one bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I mean, Hugh never lost a game by 38. Freddie didn't lose a game by 38. Johnny Manziel didn't lose a game by 38. That's how bad this was. You know, the last time they lost a game by 38, like you said, James Harrison was suplexing fans on the field. Like, <laughs> it's been a while. 16 years since they lost a game by 38 points. Fourth worst loss since they came back into existence. Uh, and and as we said on the first uh, version of this, you had a nickname for all of them. <laughs> I would go back through the first game. The was Spurgeon win nothing. game. The James the Harrison win game. game. The yeah. Harrison suplex game. Yep, they all had a name. The, the the Jaguars game was the Spurgeon win game. I think that was 48 nothing down there. Two Steelers games, the first game back in existence in 99, the Harrison suplex game. And then I don't know what tonight will be remembered as, but that's that's fourth on the list since 99. All, all the horseshit football that we've sat through for 21 years, this is fourth on the list. On a year that you were expecting the playoffs – and an AFC Championship game appearance. Yeah, I mean, we'll sum it up by saying this, guys. It, it could still go a number of ways. Um, this could be rock bottom, or this could be the gateway to a really messy December and a really tense offseason. Um, and we'll see. We could keep going, but we've said what we need to say, and um, we, we made our adjustment once, and according to Miles, that's one more that was made on the sidelines. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Uh, we'll have a normal schedule this week with the Browns getting ready to host the Lions. We'll have another Civilized Barking Pod in our normal week coverage throughout the week. Then Thanksgiving week will be a little different, but there'll still be plenty of stuff because that that's the big one. And, we and um, you know, not that this team can look past anybody right now. Uh, again, I don't mean to insinuate that. But between the injuries and the lack of confidence and what appears to be a lack of confidence from – uh, locker room to upstairs right now is uh, it's tense. It's it's deflating. It's disappointing. It's puzzling. I mean, you you, you had a great mini rant right about and and you touched on. It. Can't believe somebody spent we spent the time and somebody spent the money to get us out here and all that. But like this this team is different and the organization is different and this roster is so good that this should never happen. A bad day, yes. A bad series, yes. A soul-searching moment where you have to decide schematically or effort-wise to make a change, sure. To lose 45-7 to a rookie quarterback. To get totally dressed down like this in a game you needed. 
coming off of that where your defense appeared to have a breakthrough. It was awful. Thank goodness it's over. Talk to you soon. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.